You are listening to The Political Periscope, a weekly podcast brought to you by Radio WNET. Interviews on international politics, security, geopolitics, economy and more. Every Thursday at 7 p.m. Today's guest of The Political Periscope is Fatima Tlis, a Circassian activist living in exile in the United States. Political Periscope. I think almost everyone in the world heard about Chechens, about Georgia, about Ossetia. Uh, some of them heard about Dagestan, but Circassians are not so well known, well recognized in the world. Uh, however, it's uh, people with long traditions, ancient traditions, and uh, once a very big and prosperous people. Well, um, the fact that the uh, world knows so little about the Circassians is not an incident. It didn't happen naturally. When such a huge country, such a powerful country as Russia, as the Russian Empire, then Soviet Union, then the Russian Federation, continuously works on erasing a whole nation from the map territorially, from existence, then in a sense, it succeeds. There is no history of Circassia in the textbooks, student textbooks in Russian schools, in, even in Circassian schools. We never studied our own history. There was no uh, such a word as Circassia or Circassian in the history books we studied at school. So uh, there is a reason why it happened, why the world knows so little about Circassia. Even now, divided in three administrative uh, regions. Circassia is uh, bigger than uh, Belgium. Why did Russia want so much Circassians to, to go? There were many genocides in Russia. Uh, Russia is built on genocide. Tatars were victims of genocide, Karaims, but also, also Circassians. But uh, Circassians, it seems to me that they were treated particularly harshly? Well, it's all about the territory, the land, um, and also it's about the surrender. The Circassians actually never surrender to Russia. They prefer to die or being deported. They chose freedom over life. The entire nation, more than 90% of the Circassians were deported or killed. The extermination was practically completed by the end of the war. Nobody was able to lift a weapon. That's how Russia won. There were no villages left, no warriors left, nobody. Uh, the, the exiles were exhausted Posted, uh, civilians. Everybody who could lift a weapon died by the time Russia won the war. And that's how it happened. Because uh, the reason why Russia does that second is because um, Chechnya surrendered in that war, in the first Russian Caucasus war. Dagestan surrendered. Imam Shamil surrendered. Circassia never did. So they had a choice whether you know let these people be 
or just kill them off. They choose the, the, the second, kill them off and get their land. And the land was very important. Uh, the capital of Circassia was Sochi, uh, a very important black coast city important now and the circassians occupied the most of the black sea coast that now is russia they really needed it and the pride of putin the sochi olympic games where did he host it in the circassian land where is uh, his palace the, the, the most uh, expensive according to the oppositional leader boris nemtsov killed in Moscow um, Putin's most uh, expensive and luxurious palace is built uh, on the Black Sea coast at the place where there used to be a Circassian village not anymore this is something which is common for Tsarist Russia, for this imperial period, uh, for USSR and for modern Russia. Uh, the genocide, the will to destroy nations. Uh, why do you think is it the case? Well, uh, you, the Poles, know exactly why. Because you also were part of that empire that actually killed my country. You survived. I think every nation can uh, look back at their history and find connection with my nation. When Russian Empire occupied, colonized Poland, they mobilized thousands of Poles and sent them to fight in the Caucasus. Many of them joined the Circassians, for instance, and in our oral history, coming from my grand-grandmother and other people, it was the Poles who actually saved the remaining Circassians from uh, the Russian using, practically it was the first probably use of biological weapon because they introduced plague in the Caucasus, in the Circassian regions, because they needed a really effective weapon to reduce the population and solve the issue. And the Circassians never before interrupted with that particular illness, but the Pole did. So the Pole officers who joined the Circassians, they actually saved the people who were sick already from the Russian infection of plague. And um, that's a, for us, that's a historic fact. Maybe you can't find that in historic documents, but there are a lot of historic testimonies from the Pole themselves. My father's last name, for instance, is unusual for uh, a Circassian. It's Orzhel, or I don't know how to pronounce it in Polish, but I think it's something like an eagle. So I think we just need to dig a little bit to rediscover our connection, our joint uh, feelings towards the state that uh, once occupied your people still occupies my people and keeps destroying them, depriving them fundamental rights. The diaspora Circassians cannot return home. Uh, when there was a bombing in Syria, a war, civil war in Syria, a large Circassian diaspora was under Russian bombs, once again destroyed by Russia. 
thousands applied for visas at the Russian embassy in Damascus, Circassians, to try to get their families out of Syria back to their homeland, to the Caucasus. Probably less than a hundred got the visas. And Russia was bragging everywhere that they're evacuating people from Syrian conflict while keeping killing the Circassians. The Russian Empire already sentenced to death. That's a continuation of genocide. So it never stopped, actually. And it's happening today. There is a linguistic genocide. There are no teachers of Circassian language in Circassia. The language is getting lost. Less and less people identify themselves as Circassians. They lose connection with their motherland generation after generation. That's also a continuation of the genocide. I think um, it's very important for the international community, for Poland. You already have done a lot to give hope to independent, independency-minded people, non-Russians in Russia. And adding to that list, Circassia would benefit both Poland and my people because, as I said, we are deeply connected. We just need to establish those ties, re-establish, rediscover, and that's it. It's gonna work. Do you think it is possible to dissolve Russia, to de-imperialize it, to decolonize all those territories of Caucasus, of uh, Central Asia, of uh, Far East Asia, to end Moscow rule on this territory and give freedom to the people? Freedom is not given. <laughs> freedom is taken, first of all. And secondly, decolonization is a process. The United Kingdom was an empire. India was part of that empire. Many, many other nations around the world were part of that empire, colonized by United Kingdom. Now they're free, prosperous nations. Soviet Union was an empire. And when the Soviet Union crashed, there was a real, absolutely plausible fear in Europe, in the West, that this is going to turn into a chaos and there is going to be tangible security threat to Europe, to the world, because of this dissolution of the Soviet Union. What happened next? Look at every country that used to be part of Soviet Union. Do they pose danger to the world? The Baltic countries, are there some radical, rogue nations that, you know, threaten their neighbors? No, they're not. They're democratic countries moving forward, prosperous. Look at Ukraine. Look at uh, Kazakhstan, other countries in Central Asia. Look at Moldova. Georgia, they are going through the transition processes. They are experiencing issues, but are those issues similar to the issues that we see in Russia today? Do they pose any threat to the world, outside world, or their neighbors that could be in any way comparable to the threat Russia poses to the world? No, 
and also a fascinating fact that Ukraine was ready to sacrifice its nuclear arsenal for freedom to be free of Russia. I think that tells everything about how these people occupied by Russia feel. So decolonization is a process. There is a legal procedure that allows every country, any country, to get decolonized. The initiative can come from the colonists. The initiative can come from the metropolia, in this case from Moscow. Moscow can initiate itself decolonization and let these people who don't want to be under Russian rule go. Uh, We don't see that happening, but uh, the international law guarantees a right of every nation's self-determination. It doesn't have to be nasty or bloody. It's an absolutely legal process and procedure with a lot of precedents. It happened in, in the past, so we just need to follow the template. There are templates. You said that there are rules for decolonization, but the problem is many countries, many people in the world don't really recognize Russia as a colonizing state, as a colonial empire. Well, that's uh, a serious problem. Maybe they do, but they don't admit it. (laughs) I think every country in the world knows Russia is a colony. Even dictatorships know that. China knows Russia is a colony, Russia is an empire. Not a colony, but an empire, a colonizing power. But do they admit it? No, for some geopolitical interests, for some relations with Russia involving money, anything. They just don't admit it. As for the West, of course, Russia is a nuclear power, a major nuclear power with an enormous nuclear arsenal. And the main problem for the West in dealing with the colonization of Russia probably is in finding a solution when that nuclear arsenal is safe secured, doesn't fall in the wrong arms. So there are issues and um, they are still solvable. What would it take to start this process, to give the impulse to start dissolving the Russian empire? Do you think there is enough will in the peoples that live inside of Russian Federation or do you think that there is a need for an outside force? Uh, By outside force, you mean uh, what kind of force? Military force? Like, uh, I don't know, maybe some international pressure or or something. Well, um, for the start, I mean, look at this conference, this forum today. We see so many people who are not ethnically Russians, some ethnically Russians who are talking about Uh, building or rebuilding their independence, who are talking about uh, not willing and even able to be part of this uh, Russian empire any longer, craving independence and asking for support. This may be not a practical step towards achieving that goal for them, but for the people they represent, every single one of those nations, 
that are represented here today. This is the significance of this event as a symbolic gesture of the support, if not practical support, then attention from the European Parliament. It's absolutely impossible to overestimate the symbolic meaning of this event for those people in Russia. That's how it starts, because you give people hope. It's possible. No, we know you exist. We know you're not happy. We know you are oppressed. You are by law, by international law, you are a captive nation. And there is a law that allows the colonization of that empire. So that's the message this forum sends today to the people in Russia and people outside Russia, like in the case of Circassians, the diasporas. It's absolutely impossible to uh, you know, overestimate that message. It's very, very important. Do you think that the war in Ukraine and hopefully the victory of Ukraine will speed up the process of dissolving of Russia? Absolutely, it already does. The fact that Ukraine is winning and most certainly it must win for the future of the entire Europe, not just uh, Russia or Ukraine. Ukraine must win and the international community must do everything they can to help Ukraine win. And that victory means everything for the future of the nations inside Russia. That's a signal that Russia could be defeated. There is outside world that could help. They just need to express their view for the future, their intentions. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't think Russia is able to control this process any longer. We went to sleep in Soviet Union and we woke up in Russian Federation, in the Russian Federation. The same thing could happen with this Russian Federation the way it is today. Even if nobody pushes for it from the outside, this is going to probably implode, most likely, the way it's going. It's too corrupted, too violent and too dangerous for its own people. Thank you very much. Welcome. Thank you. This was the Political Periscope. The podcast is released every Thursday at 7 p.m. 